We have three very short readings this morning and the first one's from Matthew. It's found in Matthew chapter 18. And we're reading from verse 21 and verse 22. So Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now we're going to Luke, and it's chapter 23. So Luke 23 and verses 32 to 34. Luke 23, 32 to 34. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him, him being Jesus, to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And then the last readings found in 1 Peter, chapter 2. So 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're reading from verse 20 to 25. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 to 25. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so, our, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you, Janet, for reading and expertly guiding us through uh, the multitude of readings this morning. Um, so a few months ago, while I was on holidays, Steve prepared a message about forgiveness. Um, and then I uh, was too unwell the Sunday morning. He was meant to deliver that, to, to give it. Um, and so uh, as we're coming to our Culture Code series, 
uh, one of the one of the things about our, uh, the church culture or what the church culture should be is a culture of forgiveness. So I've asked Steve to um, share that message that he prepared a couple months ago with us this morning. And um, as we prayed this morning, uh, the words I used were that it's been percolating for an extra few months um, and, and that, that should bring out much more flavour. Unlike coffee, that it gets more bitter uh, as it percolates. When we percolate on forgiveness, um, it gets only sweeter and sweeter. Um, so I'm going to pray uh, for us and for Steve uh, as he comes to share this message uh, about what it looks like to, to be a church that forgives one another uh, and to be people indeed as a church that forgives. Mm. So um, pray with me this morning. So Father, we want to thank you for Steve and we honour him uh, and, and the heart he carries for this church as an elder, Lord. Um, and so we just thank you for him and for who he is. We also thank you for this word that he's prepared this morning from you. I pray that you would open our hearts to receive it to be transformed by it, and also to regurgitate it to others. In Jesus' almighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Um, Thank you, Nick, and thank you, uh, uh, Jeanette, very much for doing that reading. I was talking to John yesterday, and he told me you weren't well, and so um, it was really uh, special for me to have you you read, uh, read that. Um, although I prepared <clears throat> most of this message um, a couple of months ago, I still wasn't organised enough to uh, get the uh, notes to Carl. So Carl has been very gracious and very forgiving uh, this morning when I said that um, I didn't have anything for him for, uh, for the app. So you're going to have to look at me. You're going to have to listen to me. Um, <laughs> Um, this morning, not at your phone. So if you're on your phones, Peter Randall, I will not... Oh, excellent, excellent. He's already writing notes. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Look, and I'd just like to um, add my little bit uh, uh, to the Morrisons. They've been a special family um, uh, for us. Um, I know um, Elaine and Craig have especially been helpful in the, in the latter years of the uh, op shop bus, so I wanted to thank them especially for that. Um, I want to thank um, uh, Katie as well. Katie's got this amazing uh, spiritual gift of visions, and she was very encouraging to me, especially while I was uh, in hospital 12 months ago. So, Katie, carry that on, won't you? Okay, stay close to the Lord and carry that uh, that on. Uh, Lachlan for uh, being one of my <laughs> great car washers, James being the other great uh, car washer, and I'm losing, uh, I'm losing Lachlan and, and his abilities. And Tash, I just want to thank you for being just an all-round fun girl, and don't grow up too quick, okay? Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you might say that, uh, Craig. Um, okay, so we're talking about forgiveness so I'd like you to say forgiveness. forgiveness. Okay. No exceptions is what I'm on about this morning. Say no exceptions. no exceptions. Do you know where I got that from? Who does that? Stephen Furtick. Stephen Furtick. I'm getting in with the boss, you know, by... Um, uh, Nick's got a, um, got a fellow that really inspires him and fires him up, a US preacher called Steve Furtick, and I just came uh, across one of his... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Podcast, Podcast thanks, uh, earlier this week. 
And that's what he says, he gets the audience to repeat back. So some of you might be all ready to say, but, 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 I hope by the end of uh, my message this morning, what you're saying is, yeah, Steve's right, Jesus is right, no exceptions to forgiveness. And as part of the culture code that we've been looking at, when we've been looking at love, we've been looking at honour, we've been looking at encouragement. Last week we looked at unity and today we're looking at forgiveness and forgiveness sort of flows on uh, from that unity and it's very difficult to have um, unity when you've got um, unforgiveness. But it's one of those things that um, sets us apart from the world. We should be always readily able to uh, forgive people um, whether they are part of our church family or whether they are our family or whether they are friends. And it's um, very difficult to preach on forgiveness if you haven't been the recipient of it or maybe the perpetrator of unforgiveness. And what I'd like to do <clears throat> this morning is just split my message into two halves. One half is to look at what the Word of God says about forgiveness and then I'd like to share with you uh, some of my uh, personal journey with, uh, especially from the point of view of myself, not being a forgiving, uh, uh, not being a forgiving person at one stage in my uh, spiritual journey. So... What um, Jeanette read for us were three passages of Scripture, and I suppose I could have picked anything um, because God's Word is all about forgiveness, isn't it? From beginning to end. And it's one of those key elements that we must... If we're not a forgiving person, we've got to learn to forgive. And I don't know why I didn't preach um, a couple of months ago, uh, except that uh, I was sick that day, except to think that uh, perhaps there is, in fact, I'm sure there's somebody here in the audience or somebody listening to this podcast that really needs to hear it that wouldn't have heard it um, six weeks ago uh, when, uh, I was meant, uh, when I was meant to preach. Um, so just one, <coughs> one uh, passage, we haven't read it this morning, but... I was thinking about uh, Jacob and Esau and how in the Old Testament uh, it was very important. Jacob stole Esau's birthright. You know, and you think, you think to yourself, oh, I can't forgive somebody because they've done this really bad thing for me. I reckon stealing your birthright, especially in Jewish culture back in, <clears throat> in those days, was a huge, huge thing. <clears throat> And Jacob was very, uh, very devious in the way that he did that. And you can uh, uh, look it up on your phone and you can do the Jacob and Esau uh, whole thing um, and you can get an idea of that. But um, Jacob eventually um, reconciled with Esau. It took a few years but he, and it was so good for both Esau and Jacob. And Esau... Um, was very loving and very forgiving to uh, Jacob and the two brothers were reunited. But going into, um, going into the New Testament, one of the passages that I've picked up and 
I'm going to use Peter as my common theme. He, he, he's an everyman. He's an everyman Christian for the, for the, because he failed, uh, because he denied, because he did all sorts of wrong things and yet Jesus forgave him. And it's interesting that uh, in Matthew 18, which Jeanette read, 21 to 22, Peter says, how many times should I forgive my brother? And depending on your, uh, the, the translation or the version of the Bible that you, that you have or the language that Jesus used, he said 77 times uh, or 70 times 7. In other words, it's a lot. Okay? Now, I'm not a maths teacher, so I actually had to get my calculator. And when I was working on the premise of 70 times 7... Okay, I actually had to use my calculate. Okay, so that's 490 times you've got to forgive your brother. Were there any exceptions to that? Did Jesus say, um, oh, you've got to do it 77 times or 490 times, except for when your brother does this to you? Was, is that in any of the translations? No, there's not. There's nothing, there's nothing there. It's just a simple, just a, just a verse and as Jeanette said, a short verse. How many times do I forgive my brother? Too many to keep track of. I'm not sure of Peter's um, um, numeracy skills, uh, although I am reminded that he knew that he'd caught 153 fish, I think, uh, that day that Jesus told him to cast the net over to the other side of the boat. But um, Jesus was giving him a number that he couldn't cope with, and he would have gone away thinking, oh, gee, I've got to, I've got to forgive my brother uh, every time, for the whole of my life, I've got to forgive my brother. <clears throat> and sometimes the greatest hurt that we have comes from our family, doesn't it? And I'll go into a, 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 a little bit more of that uh, later. But it's often our father, our mother, our brother, our sisters, sometimes it's our children, who do something that we think we can never forgive but if we're looking in God's word um, for any outs for any exceptions there aren't any there aren't any we look at um, the next reading Luke 23 32 to 34 where Jesus says on the cross father forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And it reminded me of Isaiah 52, verse 14, where it says that Jesus suffered more than any man in history, suffered more than any other person. And it's quite enlightening reading it again in a few different versions. Uh, but Isaiah 52, verse 14, this is before... This is hundreds of years, this is a prophecy, hundreds of years before uh, it was to happen. But Isaiah says there, but many were amazed, or more correctly perhaps, the word appalled. They were appalled. The people there at the crucifixion, well, at his trial and his crucifixion and his torture, they were appalled when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. He suffered more than any man. 
But what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them for they, they don't know what they're doing. It's pretty telling, isn't it? Pretty telling. How are your butts going? My butts are fast evaporating in terms of uh, exceptions to the rule of forgiveness. If my saviour was on the cross and he was taking not only my sins but the sins of everyone onto him, in some, how that happened, don't know, but physically he was beaten to a pulp. Nobody could even see him as a man. So those sanitised pictures that you see of Jesus on the cross, that really wasn't what it was like. He was just, he was just pulp on a cross. And yet he was able to have the strength to say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. The third uh, scripture that Jeanette read for us today was from Peter again. Dear Peter. And the theme of this little passage is a, is a reminder again for the recipients of this letter, which is us. Again, a reminder of what he did for us with no thought of revenge. And it must have been especially poignant for Peter because Peter did probably the worst possible thing and we might shake our heads. And at the pre-trial, at the trial, uh, certainly after he'd been arrested, Peter was close by to Jesus, close enough for Jesus to actually look at Peter. But while Peter was there just in the outer courtyard of one of the official buildings where Jesus was being uh, held, on three separate occasions, he denied Jesus. Jesus was pretty much right there and he denied Jesus or he denied any knowledge of Jesus. He said, you must be crazy. There's no way that I know this man. I'm just warming myself by the fire, thank you very much. Mind your own business. And it, it's even more startling when you think that Jesus foretold this, told Peter that this was going to happen. This is what he was going to do. Peter said, no way will I do that. No way. And within, So that was in the morning. By the time the afternoon rolls around, that's exactly what Peter's doing. And Jesus looked at Peter and Peter just dissolved. He realized, he remembered what Jesus had said. And it, said, and it says that Peter went outside and wept bitterly, wept bitterly over what he'd done. And I don't imagine that look of Jesus towards Peter was a look of anger uh, or, or exasperation or anything like that. It was just a look of love in Peter's direction and Peter just dissolved into sobs and tears and wept bitterly. But what's also amazing, or the backstory in, uh, in what Peter's read, uh, writing in 1 Peter 2, is that he was restored. When Jesus, after Jesus' resurrection, when he came um, to meet or came 
to eye-to-eye contact with Jesus again, what was Jesus' agenda? Can anyone remember? Who can tell me? What happened? Peter was face-to-face with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So did Jesus start a fight? No, he didn't start a fight. He didn't say, how dare you? Now I've got you. How dare you do that for me? I was crucified. I was, I was beaten to a pulp and you, you couldn't even acknowledge me. No, he made Peter the cornerstone or one of the building blocks, one of the foundations of the Christian church we know today. So he just carried on as though nothing had happened. How, how great is that? What a sense of forgiveness um, that Peter must have felt and Peter's restoration. And the thing that really um, stands out for me in 1 Peter 2 is hidden uh, right in the middle of... Um, or the second half of verse 23 of 1 Peter 2 where... We can actually read the whole verse. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So in Peter's spiritual journey, he had come to the point where he realised that he fully understood that even with Jesus suffering, Jesus has handed over, while he was on the cross, Jesus handed over any judgment for those people below him at the cross, handed over any judgment to the Father. So that's a real lesson for Peter. He's learned that uh, he's actually got to just give it away, just get, just because he uh, had insults hurled at him as well. He's going through a tough time. Uh, legend has it that he was uh, crucified upside down, etc., etc. So he had, a tough, uh, he had a tough life where he must have been confronted daily by people that wanted to have a go at him, but he's handed that uh, over uh, to the Lord. So that's a big lesson for us, isn't it? To hand the judgment over and say... I'm going to make them suffer. But who suffers the most usually with the the whole unforgiveness thing? It's usually us, isn't it? Sometimes the other person doesn't even know that they've done something to you. Sometimes they don't even understand and so you're trying to punish them and it feels good initially. feels good. You feel empowered. But... It doesn't. That uh, feeling doesn't last very long. Sometimes, and this is now just getting just um, running into what I wanted to say with my own personal journey. Sometimes you set yourself up, even on a Sunday morning, coming to church, and you set yourself up to be upset. You just say, "If anybody even looks sideways at me today, it's going to be." curtains for that person you know like they're going to get it all right so instead of coming instead of coming to church and being a united uh, uh, church family 
perhaps, I'm not saying there's anybody in this room at the moment, but perhaps you're coming to be set up. You're so sensitive. And look, maybe you're so sensitive because you've got low self-worth. You've got low self-esteem. You shouldn't have. You are a loved son and daughter of Christ. He doesn't want you to feel like a martyr every time you come to church or feel as though you've got an axe to grind or something like that. It's interesting, um, and I'm going to mention Steve Furtick again. I'm wanting my brownie points balance with Nick to, to go up. Steve Furtick, a bit of an acquired taste, isn't he? But he, he really gets you going. Steve Furtick says it's okay to have scars. Okay? It's okay to have scars. As Galatians 2.20 says, we are crucified with Christ. And we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. So we've been crucified with him. So he said it's it's okay for us to have scars. It's okay uh, for us to have a story or two or perhaps it's an ongoing struggle for all of your life to forgive somebody. But it's okay to have scars. In other, word, in other words, you've moved on. You've learned to forgive. Sometimes you even learn uh, to forget. But he said, everyone's been, probably if I was to ask you, um, who's been wounded by other people in this church? Okay, you'd put up your hand. Okay, maybe not with other brothers and sisters here, but maybe with a member of your family. You're going to put your hand up. But what Steve Furtick is saying is it's okay to have scars. It's not okay to have wounds still bleeding. Okay? Is Jesus' hands and feet still bleeding? Is, this, is he still on the cross? No, he's not. Some of us are still on the cross. Everybody's gone away. But we're still bleeding on the cross, thinking that we're doing the right thing. You know, we've been crucified with Christ. We've been crucified with Christ, but if you look at Christ's hands now, if we were to look, if we were to go to heaven and we were to to look at Jesus' hands and feet, they're scars now. He's moved on, hasn't he? Thank the Lord for that he's moved on. Okay, Uh, exactly. he's He's conquered sin for us. He's conquered all of those sins that uh, people might perpetrate against us or that we perpetrate against other people. So I've been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20 says, uh, but we shouldn't still be on the cross. Okay? Jesus isn't, we shouldn't be. We shouldn't still be wounded. But it's so easy, isn't it? I was just thinking, um, just thinking this morning... Uh, I've got some inside knowledge that a couple of uh, families have um, headed off to the vine this morning <gasps> to church. So I could say, all the effort I've gone to for this, you know, and, and those people are really encouraging, and those people have gone off to the vine when they really should be here listening to me. You know, I've got some stu- important stuff to say to them. You know, and now they're not there. And really, when I look back, I can see lots of inconsistencies in their life. And they've said a couple of things to me in the past that, yeah, I brushed off, but now I realise if they've gone somewhere else, when they knew I was preaching this morning, in fact, I don't 
I'm not sure I really love them anymore. You know, <laughs> I'm certainly, I'm certainly going to not talk to them for a while. That'll teach them. And after a month or so of me not talking to them, I'll say, "Oh, Steve's not talking to us anymore. Why is that?" Oh, and then I'll be able to let fly. Okay. Can you see how that all builds up? Just from little beginnings. So it doesn't have to be a big hurt. It can just be a little hurt. And if you let it, um, if you let it um, fester like a wound, if you let that wound fester, it's just going to get more and more and more. Apparently, Ken Duncan, the photographer, is at, um, at the Vine this morning. Okay, so he takes a few good photos of Australian landscapes <laughs> and he's a Christian, but... It's not a... Better yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've got to find something that I can do better than Ken Duncan. Okay. But, um, yeah, my story, some of you, some of you know it, and, um, and uh, Jeanette knows it, and Jeanette was uh, a good encouragement to me during the time and very loving and supportive of me during the time where... About 15 years ago, I had a bust-up with a mate in a business that I was working with, uh, with him. And I won't, mention, uh, I won't mention any names. But he was a Christian brother, and it got to the point, and that was my own bad attitude, I walked out of that business uh, one evening... And never went back. And it was all his fault. Absolutely it was his fault. Yeah, okay, I walked out, but it was his fault. Okay. So he's a, he's a Christian brother. Um, you're not supposed to work, go into business really. The Bible says it's pretty hard to go uh, to work with a non-Christian but uh, and causes issues. But here we were, two Christian brothers... Uh, both in leadership here in the church, by the way. And I had things festering for a while. I had wounds. I tell you, I had wounds. Right? And um, I wasn't for- going to forgive him. I wasn't. He's turned my life upside down. It was all his fault. I left, but it was all his fault. Okay, have I said that already? Yes, I have. Um, okay. And um, as I was preparing for this sermon, <laughs> I came across, I came across that I, 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 uh, it was a letter, not that I sent, um, but this is nothing, I realise now, it had nothing to do with him. It wasn't his fault at all. It was a chance that Satan had um, to um, break up that business, a good business, and that's what happened. And uh, it's changed his and their family's lives. It's changed mine. But I often think back and think, if I had been more forgiving, uh, even though it was my fault, if I'd been (laughs) more forgiving, if I had been more loving, if I'd truly been a Christian uh, brother to him our lives would be much different. But I came across a letter that I wrote to myself um, during that time 
and you read it, and it's 15 years ago that I wrote this letter to myself just to pour out my feelings, and I'm completely twisted. For example, uh, one paragraph I wrote, I just I quoted um, the verses that Jeanette just read, and I said. Um, uh, I really need Bob, I'll call him Bob. <laughs> I really need uh, Bob to uh, be repentant as well. Okay? Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Bob knew what he was doing and is still doing wrong, so why should I forgive him? Now, and that's another thing, isn't it? When those person keep on hurting you and they keep on saying things, it's not just a one-off. But are there any exceptions to that in Scripture? Any exceptions for people that keep on singing, sinning against you? No, no exceptions for that. And what it does, when you have a situation like that, it affects you physically. It affects you mentally. It was two years. Some of you may be struggling with um, unforgiveness um, for years, all of your life perhaps a greater part of your adult life, perhaps. Okay. Um, my situation with unforgiveness um, was over a, perhaps a two- to three-year period, but it made me sick physically. It made me... I was already suffering from depression. It made me uh, even more depressed. I thought I was empowered. I thought I, I was uh, in the land of the righteous during that time. But I was um, as far from it as I could have been. So I don't know about you if you've been carrying a burden for a long time, but I would highly suspect that it's made you physically ill. I highly suspect that it's made you mentally ill. I highly suspect that um, things have happened. Uh, I, I suspect your job has suffered, your family has suffered, in my case, um, um, I believe that the church suffered because I was um, secretary of the church here at the time. And one of the things I wrote in this letter to myself was, uh, I will leave the church and explain at the next quarterly meeting. Quarterly meetings, you can see, you can, you can do, you can stir people up at quarterly meetings, Daniel. <laughs> And I explained in the next quarterly meeting why I am leaving. That is, I am so disappointed with the leadership of this church. Hello, I was the secretary. Um, <laughs> this is how twisted you get, you see. I am so disappointed with the leadership of this church not helping in the right way to get this situation resolved. Hey, that's back on me, isn't it? That's really back on me. So... Um, and I go on and on about taking civil action and, you know. So please don't get to that stage. Or if you're at the same stage as I was then 15 years ago, stop it, okay? Stop it right now. Don't go on any further. It's, just, it's, it's tearing you apart. If it wasn't for my wonderful wife of 29 years uh, or, 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 or her stature or her patience and kindness and love for me uh, during that time, I wouldn't have a family. 
now. Forgiveness tears you apart. Some of you go, oh, so what, Steve? You lost your job. Well, actually, I walked out, so I lost the job myself. Okay. I'm accusing the, the church leadership of not doing the right thing by trying to, to get Bob and I together, but I was part of the leadership team. Okay. You might say to me, in all seriousness, I don't want to be flippant about this at all, you say, well, I've lost a child. Or I had an abusive dad. Or, you know, my father was killed in a car accident or my husband or my wife. Or I had incurable... uh, You know, my partner had incurable cancer. And you're asking me to forgive. I can't see any way out of it, though. If, if, you can, if you can point to a scripture where it says uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to forgive um, that driver who ran into your child or that person who raped you or that person that abused you, that's great if you can find that verse, but I can't find it anywhere. And when I read that Jesus suffered more than any man, physically, mentally, uh, spiritually, as we know his struggle as he came towards the crucifixion, I don't know if there's any way out. So I just want to say to you, there is no way out. We've got to forgive. And I was reminded about a, um, I was reminded about a story just on the ABC and it stuck with me and I, um, while Nick was preaching last Sunday, I got my phone and I, he reminded me uh, and uh, I thought, oh yeah, 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 something just twigged a memory of this, this event but it was Christmas Day 2016, uh, Christian family, in fact uh, a pastor of a church, it was Christmas Day He was out with the family, just walking around the suburb that he lived in with his family, the pastor, his son, daughter, wife, and somebody, uh, a male, a young male, came round the corner too fast in his dual cab ute, lost control, ran across the footpath. They were out looking at Christmas lights, that's what they were doing, that's right. Ran into the family. There were a couple of minor injuries, but the nine-year-old boy, Josiah, was severely injured. He spent two days in hospital and he died. Christmas Day, 2016. What does the pastor do? Does he have a right to feel angry? Does he, does he, at God, at the person that ran over his child? He sure does. But what did he do? Does anybody know? It, it was such an amazing thing that it was on the ABC News and that's how I remember it. But what happened? He got in contact with the fellow that was yet to be charged and invited him to a prayer meeting on the Wednesday. So the accident happens on Saturday. His son through this driver's action, dies on Monday. The pastor, 
Pastor Kyle, I think it was, Pastor Carl, invites the perpetrator to his church, to his prayer meeting, and offers forgiveness. And he said to the ABC News reporter, our emotions are up and down all the time about our child that we've lost, but I just had to forgive that person. So I haven't got any experience of a, of a family member um, dying at the hands of somebody else. I haven't got any personal stories of being abused as a child. But I look at stories like that and I say, that's amazing. But there's no exception. There's no exception for that pastor he couldn't do anything but that. But what if he chose not to forgive? What happens to that pastor over time? He starts to get better. It feels sort of empowering first off to say, I want, I want that person to rot in jail for what they did to my child. But would he still be a pastor today? Probably not. Would his family still be together? Probably not. Why? Because he's so consumed with anger and disappointment and bitterness and feeling probably, oh, that person didn't get the punishment they deserved. And you see that every day in the media. There are people who um, have still not forgiven. And you look at them and you can see them physically. They're not well. Their faces are pinched. They're just saying, I won't forgive. Just a news article this week. I saw a, um, a woman who, who was, uh, who's, uh, it was government policy almost that if you had a child out of wedlock in the 60s and 70s, 50s, 60s and 70s, that child was taken away from you. And she was saying, I've, I've never forgiven. I've never forgiven that doctor or that nurse or that midwife for taking my child away. Never. Never forgiving them. And you can tell that it's aged her. You can tell it that it's taken over her whole life and probably her backstory of broken relationships and so on. Now, my father died about 15 years ago and he died without um, the knowledge that I had sought forgiveness from my, my uh, work partner. And that really shook me. I went over to the funeral and one of the first things my mother said to me was, your father died without knowing that you had forgiven your work colleague or you had sought forgiveness. So what did I do? I got straight on the phone. I got straight on the phone to, um, uh, to Bob and his wife and I confessed to them the pain that I'd caused. So even though I'd thought for so long, he needs to say sorry to me, he needs to come on his hands and knees for forgiveness, I did the opposite and I 
I can only say it was a God thing that I sought forgiveness from him. And since that time, our friendship has been restored. We don't see too much of each other. But as I was recovering from my surgery last year, uh, Bob and his wife offered me and uh, Leslie and I a week away at one of their beach houses down the south coast. And they are the first ones, whenever they hear of uh, any health issues or any difficulties uh, that we have, they're the first ones to uh, be at hand. So it pays off. Forgiveness pays off in a big way. So refuse to get stuck in unforgiveness. Refuse, refuse it. No exceptions? No exceptions. Excellent. And look, just to finish off, and I'm sorry I've gone a little bit uh, late, Stormy O'Martian says, and she's a a well-known writer on uh, forgiveness, not forgiving others is one of those self-torturing sins. It may feel good for a moment, yeah, but soon it will begin to destroy you. Don't allow yourself to do it. Instead, obey God by letting people off the hook. Give them a chance to change and be different than what they were. It doesn't mean you have to set yourself up to be hurt again. It means you release them into God's hands, which is Peter's point. Release them into God's hands and you get on with your life. Bury the hatchet, but don't leave the handle above ground. Okay, Bury the whole thing. All right? Don't leave that axe handle there so you can pick it up again at some other, st- at some other time. So my, my challenge to you is simple, okay? If you've got unforgiveness, it might be a big thing, it might be a little thing, it might be a little thing that's grown into a big thing. You might not be able to go to that person now because perhaps they've passed away. You may not be able to go to that person and, and seek forgiveness, but get on your knees and ask God to forgive you for your attitude towards that person. Even if they deliberately hurt you, even if they continue to deliberately hurt you, you've got to forgive. Forgiveness is one of the greatest things, greatest examples, and it's borne out by the media when they come across a story like that pastor and his son. When it's borne out, it's one of the greatest things that we can do to show a different culture to the society. We are a forgiving church or should be a forgiving church family. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your amazing sacrifice for us. You've forgiven our sins. You were so deeply broken by our sin, physically, mentally, spiritually, Lord, and yet you had the strength and the courage to say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. So, Lord, may we not have any unforgiveness in this church family. May we never have any unforgiveness towards our family members, our physical family members who have sinned against us, who have perhaps physically and mentally abused us, Lord. 
We just give them over to you as Peter finally realised, Lord, that he had to just give it over. Especially when he realised that you had forgiven him. So, Lord, help us to do that. Help us not to put it off. If it's somebody in our church family today, go, Lord, we want to go to that person over lunch and pray and ask for forgiveness. If it's to do with our family, Lord, we need to get on the phone. We need to go and visit. We need uh, to forgive. Lord, otherwise it'll tear us apart. And we won't be the people that you want us to be, the people that you want us to be to the world if we don't do it. Lord, but we can only do it in your strength, though. We ask that for your Holy Spirit's strength, Lord, in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this message from Mornings at YCBC. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged in your faith today. You can catch up on any of our messages through most of your favourite podcasting apps or on our website, ycbc.church. If you'd like to know more about YCBC, you can join us on Sunday with gatherings starting at 10am at 50 Laidmore Street in Yass, or send us an email or a Facebook message. Thanks for being a part of the YCBC family.